902 Brewing Company is the official beer of the Wager Pager podcast. Our friends over at 902 are putting out some of the best local craft beer in the Garden State. Log on to 902brewing.com to check out some of our favorite beers, like Juicy City IPA and Path Pale Ale. Or come grab a growler at the 902 Brewing Company tap room opening soon on Pacific Avenue in Jersey City, New Jersey. Are you tired of losing at sports betting? Start winning with Kingpin.pro. With Kingpin.pro, you can follow proven sports bettors and handicappers. Each user is required to put in their picks prior to each game. Kingpin scores and ranks users for total winnings, not units, as well as win percentage. This gives you, the sports better, the ability to follow not just winning cappers, but more importantly, consistent winning cappers. You can easily get instant notifications of picks by downloading the Kingpin.pro iOS or Google Play app. Download the app and register with promo code WAGER. That's promo code WAGER, and you'll get a 10% discount off your purchase. Get pumped, get psyched. It's the Wager Pager podcast with Chris Rogers and Brock Landers. Here we go. What's up, guys, and welcome back to the Wager Pager Pod, where we talk sports gambling, make picks, and conduct must-hear interviews with some of the sharpest minds in the industry. I'm your host, Chris Rogers. You can follow me on Twitter, at Wager Pager Chris, and please, follow the pod on the gram and Twitter, at The Wager Pager. This is Season 2, Episode 12, recording live from Van Borst Film Studio here in Hoboken, New Jersey. That's right, we're coming to you from our home state of New Jersey that won the battle against the Supreme Court and made the regulation of sports betting all possible. We have another great episode for you guys this week. We got Greg Hoops Peterson calling into the show to talk about his personal handicapping style and to do a preview of the young college basketball season. There's nobody better to do it with. And, of course, we got college football week 11 and NFL week 10 picks coming your way. But first, joining me, my co-host, one of the sharpest gamblers I know, my guy with 19 New Jersey betting outs and someone who knows his way around Atlantic City, here he is, the Jason Terry of Gambling Twitter, Brock Landers. Hey, Chris, what's going on? And how are the loyal listeners of the Wager Pager podcast So glad to be here, as usual. Another tremendous introduction. I'm flattered. Uh, Jason Terry, one of my favorite Mavericks. But why do you say that? Is it just a Maverick reference? Is that what you're getting at? It's a Maverick reference. It's someone who consistently performs like you do on the podcast every week. You know, dangerous in in the corner to hit a three. Always got picks up his sleeve. Brock Landers. I'll take it. I'll take it. Jet was a great uh, Maverick and uh, definitely going to get his number retired, I think. But hey, tell the listeners where they can find you on Twitter. You could find me on Twitter at BrockLanders41. Uh, we're getting into the, the winter months here. It's getting colder. There's a ton of things to bet. There's there's so much to watch. And I'm sure now that baseball is over, I'll be able to tweet out uh, you know, more and more as far as uh, getting into the cold months because there's going to be nothing else to do but to bet. And look at that screen and, and make some picks and, and try to beat the bookie at the end of the day. Um, speaking of Atlantic City, I'm due. I got to get down there. I've been waiting to get down there. It's almost the end of football season there. Uh, got some people down there that we know. Uh, I got to try to get down there before uh, we get too much further into the, the cold months. But uh, now's the time to do it. Hockey, college sports. Football, full swing. We're getting closer and closer to the holidays, uh, one of the best times of the year, and uh, I'm just looking forward to it. This is one of my favorite things. Tell you what, coldest night of uh, doing the show, I'll tell you that much. Whew, yeah, freezing bu- out there right now. Bundled up in the studio tonight. Hey, man, my uh, birthday's coming up in a couple weeks. Maybe we'll have to uh, celebrate down in AC. So what about Monday night, the uh, Giants game? I caught a really horrible beat on that over-under. It was the, the last drive. I actually had Giants plus seven and the under. And I was like, okay, I'm going to hit at least one of them. You know, if Giants don't score, at least I'll hit the under. But no, fumble, last play of the game. Was a penalty on the field. Some For some reason, they picked it up. Just horrendous, horrendous stuff. Go into the opening night of college basketball. I lose both big games. Ugh. 
Not a good week so far. Yeah, Monday was a, a wild game there in the end, especially for people that bet it. Uh, I was with you. I was on the Giants plus seven. I had that, and I also had them teased. So I even lost the teaser after that uh, meaningless uh, scoop and score there. Uh, but that's the NFL. It's the NFL. It's what you've come to expect. Bet it small and uh, just enjoy the, the good ones. And I had a bad beat of myself. I, I tweeted out there my scratch notebook paper. I'm going through all the, uh, you know me, I like to play those first TDs sometimes just for, you know, I'll break up pretty much a unit between six, seven players and, you know, whatever you get back, you get back if you, if you hit one. And I've been doing pretty good on them this year. Uh, Monday night comes, I circle like seven, eight guys, shop around, find all my prices, get everything ready to go. Somebody called me, I want to say, maybe like 10 minutes before kickoff. I go back to my notes. I'm like, oh, I got to log back into one of the apps to put this in. And I'm like, ah, 45 to 1. This guy's not going to score at all. All of a sudden, I get the text alert, like literally an hour later. Corey Latimer, first TD. He wow. was the guy, 45 to 1. So even if I had 20 bucks on it or something like that, or 30 bucks, still walking away with a nice profit for, for a Monday night game. But... After looking at the box score and all the other things, there was about six guys that probably could have scored before he even should have. So it's one of those things you, you look back, I'm kicking myself for it, but it's another thing where, you know, someone else could have scored easily like they should have probably in those earlier drives. But you you move on, and today's a new day. That's why we're here. Hey, man, it's the derivative markets. So, you know, it's a, they're hit or miss, but they're fun to play. Uh I've been doing all right in the NBA totals. I might have to start releasing these picks on Twitter. I'm, I'm like 22 and 6 in the NBA, but I'm giving back all my profit in, in football <laughs> and college basketball now. So we'll see what happens, man. Um, look, I'm looking at some futures bets, too. I actually uh, had a pretty, a pretty nice futures bet connected to the uh, Washington Nationals World, World Series win. Um, when it's a couple of different ones, but when all is said and done, I basically now have like 100 bucks, roughly, Riding on the uh, Washington Nationals, which already won, connected to Ohio State that just got released as the number one team yesterday in the college football playoff rankings to win it all, and connected to the New Orleans Saints to win it all. Pays like, I don't know, the 100 pays like over 8 Gs, so I'm Very the nice. biggest Saints and Buckeyes fans oh, in the world right now. I'll be cheering you in, man. That's a, that's a nice ticket right there, and I think the Saints and Ohio State have a great opportunity to, to really win it all. And uh, who knows, even if you get through another leg, uh, you'll be able to take that into January, uh, hedging on the Saints, right? That, yeah. That'd be the last team because the college championship ends before? Yeah, college right? would end like probably the second week in January, so I, right. I could be hedging all the way through the playoffs. Yeah, so you need the Saints first round by Ohio State playoff, steamroll, get into the finals. Yeah, that ticket's alive. Well, what were the nets on that ticket? Because I know you took them, what, sixth, it's, seventh game? What it's kind of it? weird because like, I, I bet the thing like three separate times. So I, I bet the Nationals, Saints, and Ohio State when Nationals were down 3-2. Gotcha, okay. So I was getting like 5-1, to one, maybe 5-50-1 to one on the Nationals right. at that point. And then once they won, I threw down again on on game 7. It, that was only like plus 130 or something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, connected it to the Saints and and Ohio State again. And then after they won the World Series, I just I was so hyped. I was like, yeah, I'm putting in another $50 ticket on just Saints and Ohio State. So, between the three, right. I got like 120 to pays like 8500, I think. Very nice. Something to monitor. That's uh, that's awesome. Hey, it'll, it'll make up for a lot of losses. <laughs> that's <laughs> pretty, for sure. Pretty crazy, too. I mean, I didn't realize that either till a couple months ago. Someone showed me a ticket that they had that you could parlay futures in New Jersey. I did not know that. Yeah, it's a very profitable thing. I mean, if you can hit it. Because the compound like interest on the, on the futures parlay right. is crazy. Yeah. And now's probably a good time to take a look at another one because you're, you're now almost halfway through football. Uh, or you are technically more than halfway through football, so you could take a, a Super Bowl team, and especially to a college coming down the last couple of weeks here, uh, you could even parlay that into a uh, college basketball future as well if you wanted to. Yeah, another thing that another strategy I would probably take with these uh, parlaying the futures, I would definitely take uh, the Patriots to go to the Super Bowl, and then whoever you got in the NFC. For me, it's the Saints to go to go to the Super Bowl, mm -hmm. connected with that college football champion. Oh, there you go. Now you're really covering yourself. Yeah, okay. and then then you then you have a lot of money going into the Super Bowl to play with if that hits. Yeah, 
Absolutely. No, that's a good way to look at it, too. So, yeah, there's a lot of opportunities out here in New Jersey, man, with these derivative markets, futures, parlaying stuff. That and you what would... book took that? Uh, DraftKings. DraftKings. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Um, just to get into the, the future thing, too, my not be a bad idea too to throw out a couple NBA teams into a future parlay ticket there seems to be so much value right now in the NBA I don't think anyone knows who's going to the finals this year uh just from the 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 two three weeks we've already been into the season I've been watching a little bit more and more of the casual NBA stuff and uh there's a lot of good teams out there there's a lot of good value for once usually it's it's three or four teams this year you might make a case there's some value to be had in the west and in the east but for the most part just chugging away through here uh in the in the winter months and uh you know you brought up a good point too you you weren't sure when to uh to stop and i feel like a a couple people too uh that i've been running into i like i said i say it a hundred times every show you run into people now anywhere in new jersey they're talking about over-unders. They're talking about their friend that just hit some crazy thing. Or uh, My new favorite thing is to look at my friend. He caught a glitch in one of the systems and blah, 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 blah. I'm sure it could happen, but you know th- those things are few and far between after the disaster that happened uh, a year ago. I think it was at FanDuel with that Broncos better that paid out like you know over 100 grand in a couple glitches. But uh, getting back to the whole point that I'm trying to make here, there's so many rookie betters and especially young kids that get hooked now from 21 to 24 and they're obsessed with uploading their apps in public and they're obsessed with watching a game live. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong to do it recreational. Nothing wrong to put down 10 bucks, 15 bucks, something like that, maybe 20 bucks. But it's amazing. These kids log in almost every time out. Anytime that they're done doing whatever they're doing, texting or Instagramming or whatever, they get back into the live line, and before you know it, they've got a hundred different bets. There's a, there's a kid I know that that's friends with another one, and he goes to me, well, I, uh, this was two weeks ago. Yeah, I took uh, the Vikings minus the 17, and uh, now the skins are keeping it close. Should I hit them again at minus 10? Uh, should I take it again now at minus 12? Or, oh, the over-under, I had the over, and now the under is hitting. Should I take... You'll never make money doing that. You're going to constantly keep uploading to those books, and that's what they want you to do. They want you to keep doing that. And the other thing is, too, if you want to take it seriously, keep a record. Keep a record of what you're playing at the end of the week. And another thing, too, I tell people, you got to take a look at closing lines. you got to take a look at different books and the way they close. That's the only way you're going to figure out the other side of the sport. There's too many people out there that they want an opinion right away. They want to make money right away. They want to. They might even come up to you today on the street. Hey, you bet. Who do you like tonight's game? I need to make a hundred bucks quickly. Right. <laughs> it don't work that way. You get other kids too. There's kids out there who will go to Fanduel on a Friday night, and you know I want to win a thousand, so I'm going to put in eight hundred, you know, different parlay combinations, and I want to leave here with a thousand dollars. Right. Not gonna work. It may work one night out of. You know, a hundred nights that you go there, but it's one of those things long term. Take the steps necessary. It's not easy. That's the other thing too. People think I just wake up some days and I'm oh okay. Uh, let me let me just take Washington Wizards today and I'll make a couple bucks. No, you've got to put in the research. You've got to put in the research. You've got to you know take a look and see what you're doing. Make sure you're making informed bets, and in the long run, you'll be good. That's that's the way it, it works. You have to put in the time in order to make the money. If you do it recreationally, a couple beers with some friends, 20 bucks, I get it. I understand it. It's cool. I have no problems doing it. But the people that think that they're actually good at it is amazing to me. And you've just got to really open up and, and look a little bit further into things to see that it ain't that easy and it takes time. You heard it here first, guys. Stop throwing darts out there in New Jersey. Put in some research. Listen to Brock Landers. You can follow him on Twitter, at BrockLanders41. We say it all the time on the show. What a time to be alive. What a time to be gambling. What a time to be in New Jersey. Let's keep the show moving, guys. All right, guys, this interview is proudly presented by our sponsor, 902 Brewing Co. 902 Brewing Co. is located in Jersey City, and tonight I'm sipping on the Juicy City. 
This oat-heavy IPA was brewed to celebrate our Jersey City construction kickoff. We hit it with Amarillo, Citra, and Mosaic for a delicious stone fruit tropical citrus flavor. Minimal bitterness, keep it true to the New England style IPA. What are you drinking, Brock? Chris, I've got the Jersey Premium Lager from 902, and let me tell you, this stuff is awesome. This one might be my favorite one uh, out of the 902 line. Uh, it's just a crisp, bready, slightly sweet backbone with just enough hop presence to balance it out. As my dad says, great old man drinking beer. All right, guys, this week's guest is a college basketball savant and self-proclaimed volume handicapper. You may know him from his hosting gigs on VSIN or as the co-host and producer for the That's Gold with Steve Heitner podcast. He also does host and produce two of his own podcasts called College Hoops and MLB Overtime Betting. Here he is, Greg Hoops Peterson. You guys can follow Greg on Twitter at GUnit underscore 81. What's up, Greg? Welcome to the Wager Pager. Hey, guys. Great to be on. Thank you so much for having me. No problem, Greg. With college basketball starting, we knew you were the perfect guest to have this week on our episode. And uh, we know that you're a guy that bets a lot of volume. And, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of one of these different guys that we've had on the show. Uh, a lot of people here do models and this and that. I know you like to do a lot of overnight stuff and whatnot. Tell the people a little bit just how you bet your games and kind of a little bit into it, like what's your process. What I do is that I specialize in a couple different sports. And I just bet everything in those sports. Like you'll get so many handicappers. They'll do a select amount of things in the NBA. They'll do a select amount of things in college basketball, take a couple plays in the NFL, things like that. I do three sports, the NFL. I go college basketball, MLB. I stick to that, but I volume bet all these sports. What that entails is that while so many people they're sort of making their models throughout the season. They're looking for good angles and like the postseason and things like that. I'm betting everything from day one, and I'm putting in a bunch of research in the offseason to try to get that edge immediately, and I'm updating my rankings to try to keep that edge throughout the year. With what I'm doing right now with college basketball, all 353 teams, I broke down every last one of them in the offseason. Some of you guys may have heard my podcast. I previewed every conference went through team by team where they're going to finish in that conference, looked at all the key additions, key losses, how that's going to affect their pace of play in regards to totals. That's all the research I'm doing before the season. And then I feel like that gives me an edge when it comes to the season because so many people say, oh, I don't have an edge in this game or anything like that. If there is no edge in that game, in my opinion, then it's just going to be a push and everyone gets their money back. In my philosophy, there is always an edge but it's on you to find it. And that's what I always try to do. That's why I volume bet. If there's a game in which I think it's going to be a pretty close call, that just means that I've got to do a little bit more research. I've got to try to find that edge. I've got to see, okay, where can this team be exploited? And then I've noticed that whenever I do that, typically a lot of those bets that maybe I wouldn't have been a little bit more sure of until I did that extra research, those are the ones that actually cash for me the most often. That's awesome, Greg, and so fascinating. You're like a, an encyclopedia out there. And now, between all the research that you do, between all the podcasts, tell people what a day in the life is like for Greg Peterson. I don't know. When the hell do you sleep? Uh, do you ever sleep? <laughs> I get about three or four hours of sleep at night. It's one of those things where typically I'll wake up right around 7 o'clock a.m.-ish. I will start doing some handicapping. It all depends on when the games play out. If there are some early games, I'll hold off on my jog, which is 12 miles. I'm not even kidding. I do a 12-mile jog every single day. Woo. I do that either very early or I do that after, like, the morning games, after I do some handicapping on, like, the added game board. From there, I'm setting up some interviews for podcasts, setting up interviews for the VEASAN shows I do. Vegas Action Information Network producing and some co-hosting for them four days a week, Thursday through Sunday at this point. So I do a little bit of that. And then I'm still taking a look at the numbers because as you guys mentioned at the top, I'm one of those people that I do a lot of my plays overnight. With baseball, sometimes I'll be holding off on a few of the numbers in the morning if I think that a line is going to get steamed. But with regards to college basketball, what I find is that the best numbers that you can get are the ones that come out right away. You've got to pounce on them. 
like when we saw the Virginia versus Syracuse total. It was one of those situations where you knew that it was going to get bet under, and it's all about just jumping on the first line you see, taking it, and just running with it because that is your best form of success, being able to get that extra couple points. It may not mean anything in that specific game, but in the long term, being able to get closing line value always is going to lead to success as long as you're a grinder. And something that I've learned in this industry is that this is not a get-rich-quick scheme. This is not one of those things where you can expect to just put down like 20% of your bankroll and expect to be successful just turning it over time and time again. It's all about the grind. It's all about taking the mindset of it's a marathon and not a sprint and just keeping at it day by day because you're going to have some highs, you're going to have some lows, you're going to have some neutral spots. If you're able to grind it all out, you just continue to put in the good research, you continue to get the best numbers that you possibly can, and you continue to trust in your handicapping, I feel like you'll be successful. Very cool, Greg. My next question here was going to ask you about your handicapping strategy, but I think you've already detailed that uh, pretty well, but just so this doesn't fly over some of the listeners' heads, you really do bet every game and every total on the board every day, correct? In college basketball, the NFL, and MLB, yeah. Wow. Unbelievable. Love it. Respect the grind. I listen to the pod all the time just to kind of see, you know, if Greg's on this game, the game that I like, I'm going to probably bet it. Yeah. Now, Greg, and, you know, like you said, you get down on all these games. So my question to you was, as a as a sports gambler, it's so important to have so many outs. How many outs do you really use on a consistent basis? I mean, do you just kind of rotate through, like, maybe one to three books? Do you have just, you know, maybe... Uh, five or six, I, it just seems crazy to how, how you can get down in so many different games. I would say in total, I'm up to about eight apps at this point. It's one of those situations where you've got to have a couple offshore books. You've got to have a couple Vegas books because what I find with these numbers is that sometimes the offshore market, it's not the same as the Vegas market. In Vegas, maybe you'll get an extra point on an underdog or something like that because in Vegas, we've got some known sharper books, books that more of the vocal views, and then you get more of your touristy places. You want to have a little bit of both because that way you get the best of both worlds. And we all know that with offshore books, it's the same way. You've got some books in which you've got some very, very sharp people that bet at them. And you've got other books where they're very public. They're out there. They're trying to get everyone in with your first deposit. You get it doubled and everything like that. So it's just having a variety of different outs and just trying to diversify as much as possible because if you diversify the books that you use, you're able to get the widest range of numbers. And that is the most important thing in trying to be able to get the best number because it's just one of those things where the more bites at the apple that you get, the more likely you are that you're going to be able to get your desired results. And if you've got a range of books where the amount of variance in the point spread is sometimes up to two points, that can be absolutely paramount. Absolutely. Great stuff for our listeners here, too. Uh, I mean, I, I recommend everything that Greg just said. That's so, so key to become a good sports better. And, you know, Greg, let's just backtrack a little bit here. How'd you first get involved with sports gambling? I mean, usually people like betting on sports or they like the idea of making money. How did you get to a point where you became so good at it? Did you read books? Did you listen to podcasts? Ask people in the field. How did you gain your knowledge? What's so funny is that I never read a book. I never listened to a podcast or anything like that. I'm more of, by nature, a traditional sports broadcaster, traditional sports radio show host. I went to a little college out in Wisconsin called the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. We are the third biggest university in the state of Wisconsin in regards to undergraduate enrollment. But I was there my senior year. I was doing some of the studio work for the college football team because we were actually the official home of them. It was really cool being able to do all the games. And we had the chance to play against a D1 team in South Dakota State. Obviously, that's an FCS school, but I had been hearing about point spreads a lot and so many teams, oh, are they covering the spread and everything like that? Because this was back in 2014. So five years ago when gambling was really starting to become a little bit more mainstream, the wheels were starting to turn. It's like, Hmm, my UW Oshkosh Titans, this might be the only chance that they get to play a D1 team. Is there a spread on it? So I look online, lo and behold, Five Dimes has my university, Wisconsin Oshkosh Titans, 
well, I expected to be a top three team in the Wisconsin Intercollegiate Athletic Conference as a 46-and-a-half-point underdog. I was just there like, well, I don't think I'm going to take the money line at, like, plus a quadrillion. If I would put $5 down, I would be getting my own <laughs> private island if they would pull off that win. But I thought 46-and-a-half, a couple too many. So I put into that account $60 to try to win back 50 I was laying minus 120 juice because – Let's face it, University of Wisconsin Oshkosh versus South Dakota State. Not a game that's offered very often. And wouldn't you know it, the UW Oshkosh Chains lose by kind of 38 to 3. I win my bet right there. I was hooked because I'm just like, wow, that was really cool. I put down some money. I thought that for sure it was a stone cold lead pipe block in the century. And I'm a genius. I knew that during the beef bowl, the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh Chains would be shown some mercy by the Jackrabbits. So I bet a couple baseball games, had some good results there. And then I thought, you know what? I'm someone that I'm looking at all these games. I do college basketball bracketology. So I look into these college basketball teams time and time again. Maybe I should do this a little bit more. I spent a year with the official home of Vanderbilt Athletics in 95.9 WNSR in Nashville, Tennessee. Spent a year as a producer out in Portland, Oregon doing a little bit for the official flagship station of the Oregon Ducks, 102.9, the game. And I've had a little bit of an itch for betting. I would do a little bit offshore, but where I really got my break is someone that I was working with in Portland said, you know what, we have a full-time job for you out here with the Vegas Stats and Information Network. I'd been working part-time at the time, and those of you guys that know the industry of media, it is so hard to find full-time work. I was actually working part-time when I was out in Portland, Oregon. I was having to jog to and from work four miles each way because I could not afford the $5 that it took for the bus every day. It's just one of those things where the come up in regards to media, it is one that is a slog. If you hear these stories, they are also true. I was probably making like $22,000 a year when I was out in Portland, Oregon, and my rent was over $1,000. I had on their student loans. I was really in need of a little bit of money. So I'm just like, oh, yeah, I'll come down. It's a full-time job. I'm certainly going to be paying a little bit less in rent. And from there, it was one of those situations where I was able to really be able to get a little bit more security. And that job that I took was at the Vegas Edge and Information Network. We all know that with regards to VEASAN, they pretty much launched a few months after I had gotten there. I moved to Las Vegas when it was the summer of 2017. So it was just after their launch. And I was really intrigued by gambling because I had done a little bit offshore with five dimes and everything like that. I was more of your schmuck player that was putting down like 15% of his bank on like one game, something like that. And then I was getting all these tips from guys like Vinny Maliulo, Amal Shah, Ron Flatter, Brent Musburger. And I said, you know what? Maybe I should try doing this a little bit more full time. My big forte is college basketball. And then one day, a gentleman by the name of Matt Humans, who I'm sure many of you guys know about, he said, you know what? If you really want to build a following, you should put some of your picks out online. I think that you'll be able to get a little bit of a good foothold. You know what you're doing with regards to college basketball. And for Matt Humans to say something like that, I knew that I had to take it to heart because this is a guy that just knows so much about the industry. So I began putting my plays out there. I began refining my style. And what I found with my style is because a few years ago when I was putting out my college basketball pick, I would have some leans. I would have the actual plays. What I found is that my leans were doing a whole heck of a lot better than my plays. My plays were hitting right around 50-50. Everything which I was like, hmm, I think that this might be a good play, but I'm not sure if I want to put my money down on it. Those were the ones that were winning like, like wildfire. It was absolutely insane. So it's like, you know what, maybe I should start betting these. Those were going well. I said, you know what, maybe I should start expanding my cart. And then I just realized that, you know what, because I do have a background in bracketology where every single game affects so many of these other teams, like the win of East Carolina, that affects who they played previously. It gives you a little bit more of a blueprint on them. And then the game that, that the East Carolina played that affected that team, that team affects the other teams. And it's a, essentially a well-woven web, I guess you could say, because I just have a little bit of a trickle-down wave effect with the way that I evaluate all these college basketball teams. 
from there, I just began saying, you know what? Maybe my best approach here might be just betting every single game, seeing how it plays out. And what I found is that when I was playing every single game, I was having my most profitable results. I had to really learn to have bankroll management because obviously when you're playing every single game, you can't be betting 25% of your bankroll on every single game either. So it helped me learn a little bit more just about self-discipline. It helped me learn about just how much of a grind it is. And by and large, it's just the thing that works the best for me. So that's how I got to where I was today. That's a little bit of a long and windy story, but I hope you guys enjoyed it because it started all the way back in the uh, back in the city of Oshkosh five years ago. There you have it, guys. The origin story of Greg Hoops Peterson. You can follow him on Twitter at gunit underscore eighty one. You're listening to the Wager Pager podcast. Let me ask you something we ask most of our guests. How do you balance your qualitative handicapping with your quantitative handicapping? Because you obviously watch the games and know all the players. How much line shopping and market movement watching are you doing? I'm doing a lot of watching the live lines because what I do is that I feel like it's so paramount to my success. I always have to be taking a look at sort of that live lines line, which you can find at Las Vegas Advisor. I know that Wager Talk has one, Don Best, all these different places where you essentially get a screen. You got the lines line. Sometimes they're like 30, 60 seconds behind, but it not only tells you when a line moves and flashes in that color, but at the same time, it also alerts you when lines come out. That is so important to me. Now, so many people, they look at what percent of the sharp action is coming in on a side, the ticket count, everything like that. That's not really my style. I am one of those people, I always say it on my podcast, and I'll say it once again, always trust in your handicapping. Just because sharp money is on one side doesn't mean that it is the correct side. And at the same time, you probably don't want to be riding with the public 100% of the time as well. I always find that the best thing is a mix. If I'm sort of in the middle, I'm just trusting in what I'm doing. Typically, I'm a little bit more on the sharp side, but at the same time, I'm riding with some public teams as well. So you've got that good balance. But the biggest thing to me is tracking these live lines because typically when you see one book move, you're going to have like a couple minutes of buffer period before everyone is going to move. So when you see that one come up where the money is coming in on the side that you like, you try to get to that next book and you pounce on it right away before it moves at that next book. Meanwhile, if you see a line come in and money is coming in against the side that you like, so you're essentially going to be on like Cincinnati minus two. It's now going to be Cincinnati minus one. That tells you, okay, money is coming in against me. Just continue to wait. I'm in a good position. Just continue to let the money roll in and then try to pounce once I see a little bit of buyback. Tremendous stuff, guys, as usual from Greg Hoops Peterson. Before we move into somewhat of a uh, college basketball preview segment here, let us just ask you one more thing about your work. What's it like working with Steve Heitner? And for our younger audience, why don't you tell us a little bit about who Steve is? Uh, Steve Heitner is the man that played the role of Kenny Banya on Seinfeld. I know, by the way, Seinfeld. Now in its 30-year anniversary, it is so hard to believe, but it's absolutely tremendous. Steve is one of the nicest guys that you'll ever meet. His son was unfortunately going through cancer the first time that I met him. He is fortunately all good and clear and really just puts things into perspective because you see a guy that has worked so hard as an actor and everything like that. Now he's really just showing off his fandom, cheering on things like his beloved New York Mets, the New York Giants, and he sort of takes a look at my style. He sort of compares it to his style. We make fun of each other. We go back and forth. And it's just so great to be able to have some fun conversation because so many people think that when it comes to gambling talk, it has to be all about the lines and everything like that. And then sometimes we just take a look at it and he always tries to find where the, and I quote, stupid money is. Like sometimes the games that don't make sense to him, like, I know that one of the games was like Packers only laying a field goal against the Chargers. Obviously, that one doesn't come through. But then you've got other examples of where it's like, oh, this team is only laying a touchdown. And then they wind up winning by five. And then we get to laugh after the fact. I know that Steve, I guess you can tell a little bit more of a public better. But at the same time, it's so much fun. You get to have a lot of banter. And it just really humanizes betting because I feel like so many people – they think that betting is a little bit more robotic. It's all about the numbers. And Steve likes to make it a little bit more about the story. And he always believes that 
there is a story to every bet. And I think that that's something that I take with me as well, because sometimes that story is analytics. Sometimes that story has something to do with just a off-season acquisition or something like that. And sometimes that story has something to do with just a little bit of a personal note. Right on, man. Yeah, the show is hilarious. It's a nice change up between uh, everything else out there on the landscape of podcasting and within the industry of sports betting. I recommend all our listeners to really check it out. But uh, let's move into some college hoops talk, buddy. With 351 schools in 32 conferences, how do you find the time to handicap all these games? I know you already touched on that with Brock, but you're a wild man. Yes, I am, and you undersold it. It's 353, and the 353 <laughs> could have easily been 354, but Savannah State wound up moving down to the D2 level. But it's one of these things where, like I was saying earlier, you've got to put in your research in the offseason. It's one of those things where winning bets are pretty much won in the months of, I would say, like June, July, August, researching these teams, knowing who's coming in, knowing the coaching changes how that's going to affect the tempo. That is the biggest thing. And then just keeping up with it day by day. Now, obviously, it's going to be difficult to be able to keep up with every little thing day by day, which is why it makes it helpful that Fridays could sometimes be a little bit more of a relaxation day. Typically, you're going to get your small slates on Friday. So you want to pick the days in which have big slates and you want to dedicate a lot of time to that. The days with a smaller slate, maybe you kick back or like, have a few drinks with your girl, everything like that. But it's a situation where you've got to be committed to it from day one all the way on. And if you do get a little bit of a slow start to it, something I would recommend to people is sort of what I call a dry trial run. What a dry trial run is, is essentially you note some of the bets that you'd make. Like maybe you see a line move on Tennessee versus Auburn. Auburn was laying eight points. Now they're laying seven. And then you're like, okay, I would lay Auburn minus seven here. I put in 2% of my bankroll. And then you take a look at the end and you see, oh, Auburn would have covered this game easily. That would have been a nice plus money booster for the bankroll. But you don't actually bet those games at the time. You then do that for about two or so weeks. You evaluate the results. And you try to find, okay, I was successful here. I was not successful here. These are some of the things that I need to work on. These are some of the things that are my fortes. Like when it comes to college basketball, there are some people I do a very good job of sniffing out overs. There are some people I do a good job of sniffing out unders. There are others that they can't pick an underdog to save their lives, but they're very good at favorites. By doing this dry trial run for a couple of weeks without risking any of your own money, you're able to learn some of your tendencies. You know where you're at with some of these schools and you just get intel on yourself as a better. So that way, when you do wind up wagering your money, right away when you do wind up wagering your money when the time comes you don't have that buffer period where you're taking a bunch of losses because i think that for a lot of betters the hardest part is just getting started by doing this for a few weeks just sort of tracking your results before putting down your actual money it will lead you to success when you actually do tremendous stuff greg okay let's move into a little bit of a preview type uh segment here um let's see if we can get your picks the champions from some of these conferences we obviously don't have time to touch on all 32 conferences but why don't we hit the power five and include the big east starting off with the acc who do you like coming out of the acc as conference champion i like Louisville. what the, what i saw a few days ago from them from miami was tremendous jordan dewara was able to give the team 24 points does a good job of grabbing some rebounds you return a guy in Steven Anak, who is a transfer from UConn. He's going to be absolutely tremendous. You bring in Lamar Fresh Kimmel, a graduate transfer from St. Joe's. That gives a little bit of veteran leadership to a team that, let's face it, returns almost everything except for Christian Cunningham from last year. Chris Mack is one of the best coaches out there in all of college basketball as well. That is certainly going to help this team out. And what I think is going to be big is the fact that this team has some very good free throw shooters, headlined by Ryan McMahon. He was the leader in all free throw shootings for individual qualifying players at 95% last year. I do know that a lot of people are going to be on schools like Duke, North Carolina, all of those, but I actually think it's going to be Louisville that winds up taking this ACC. I really like the pieces that they brought in and retained. Very nice and interesting pick there for the ACC. Moving to the Big Ten, Greg, what do you think? I think you got to go with Michigan State. I certainly could see this team 
taking some losses, much like they did in the Champions Classic in the non-conference play. But it looks like Joshua Langford is going to be reevaluated in January. you got to think at some point he's going to be able to return. And when he does, it's going to be huge because when he was out there in the lineup for Michigan State last year, he was averaging in the neighborhood of 15 points per game. Did an absolutely tremendous job for the team. And you got to feel like guys like Xavier Tillman and Aaron Henry are going to take some steps forward. These are still younger guys. I think you match that all with Cassius Winston, guy that shot 39% from three, 19 points, seven and a half assists per game last year, and a great coach in Tom Izzo. I think you're going to get the job done and win that conference. While we're in the Big Ten, before we move to the SEC, we are a New Jersey-based podcast, and I am currently enrolled at Rutgers University, who seems to be much improved on the hardwood. How do you think they're going to fare this year in the Big Ten? I actually think that they're going to be a little bit better. I don't think that this is an NCAA tournament team. I think that Eugene Amarui leaving the school in the offseason to go to Oregon was a little bit of a bummer, but Geo Baker is a guy that poured in 14.5 points, a little bit over four assists per game. He's going to be solid in the backcourt. You also have Peter Kiss, good three-point shooter. You also have a few other guys like a Ray Hart, like a Harper Jr., who's able to come in. Ron Harper Jr., obviously, son of the great NBA player. He's going to be able to give this team a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I just think that this team has a weakness down low. That's where they're going to be exploited. But the backcourt of Rutgers, by and large, is pretty good. And I certainly expect them to fare a little bit better in the Big Ten this year than they have in the past. Great analysis, and and Greg, uh, Chris got his Rutgers shout out in there. I'm in. Uh, hey. <laughs> I graduated from Seton Hall. What do you think of Seton Hall? A lot of expectations for this team. Yes, there are, and they looked tremendous against Wagner. They put up a hundred burger on them, and you gotta love Miles Powell. Guy was able to average nearly 24 points per game. Here's my big question, though: three point shooting with Seton Hall. They bring back just two guys that shot above 33% from three-point range last year in Miles Kale and also Miles Powell. I will say that Tantu Muzalewski, hopefully I'm saying that last name correctly, he's a six-foot-ten combo player. He's able to launch some threes. That is going to be nice for this team. Quincy McKnight is a transfer that came over from Tinkered Hart a couple years ago. He's doing a good job for this team. I just really question whether or not they're going to be able to get those ancillary contributions. Actually, Marquette winning the Big East. I think that once Jace Johnson comes back from his injury, he's a graduate transfer from Utah that gave the team right around 7.7 rebounds per game. A couple along with Colby McEwen. I don't know how and I don't know why, but Marquette wound up just robbing the state of Utah of all their, of all their talent because McEwen, as a sophomore at Utah State, shot very well from three-point range. He was able to give the team 15 points per game. He is a very solid player, and I think that that's going to bode well. Even though they lose the Hauser brothers, you do bring back a guy like a CEO John as well. I think that Bailey is going to be able to make some big contributions for them. I see seeing all more around third or fourth in the Big East, just because I do think that it's going to be Marquette at number one. And then the team you really want to watch out for is Xavier. Xavier returns just about everyone from last year. Najee Marshall is absolutely tremendous. He's got some good stretchability, I guess you could say. They've got some good leadership at the point guard spot. And they just play some hard-nosed defense. They look very good in their season opener against Jacksonville, winning that game by 21 points. So, I do think that it's going to be Marquette and Xavier at the top, but I think that Seton Hall is certainly going to be a nice mixer and matcher out there in the Big East. Very nice, very nice. I like it a lot. Uh, Moving to another conference here uh, in college basketball, Greg, uh, the SEC. What do you see there? I think that it's going to be Kentucky out there in the SEC. No fans or buts about it. I thought that Alabama was going to be a little bit better, but the fact that they lose to Penn in their season opener, Obviously, a little bit of a damper might take a little bit longer than expected for NATO to get things going. Even though he brings in James Beto Bolden, graduate transfer from West Virginia, should be able to help out the team right away. And Tyro Lewis is a sophomore that is going to be running the point for this team. He gave them 13.3 assists per game last year. And so many people forget he was essentially the youngest player out there in the SEC last year. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see how this team is able to, to be a cohesive unit when the season is over. But with Florida, I think that this is going to be another dangerous team. Andrew Nemhart was able to give the team five assists per game. He did a very good job with his assist-to-turnover ratio. He buried some threes. And you can't forget about Kerry Blackshear. He was just taking over games towards the end of the year with Virginia Tech. But I think that maybe the final four expectations are a little bit too much for Florida. Meanwhile, with Kentucky being able to knock off Michigan State to begin the year, 
You have a guy, Nate Casino, who comes over as a great transfer from Bucknell. Shot 38% from three. Six foot nine combo player that had 15 points per game for the bracket Boston Bison. I think that he's going to be able to make a big contribution along with EJ Montgomery and Nick Richards down low. And you got a senior, you've got a veteran point guard in Ashton Hagen. He's a sophomore, and it seems like a senior because you bring back absolutely nobody at Kentucky typically, but he had four and a half assists per game last year. Not very much a three-point shooter, but does a very good job just being able to run the point and play some tough defense as well. Solid pick there, Greg. You also have uh, true freshman Tyrese Maxey playing out of his mind last night in his debut performance. Love it. Got to go with the Wildcats. Wrapping up our uh, Power 5 plus Big East conference preview here, who you got coming out of the Big 12? The Big 12 is one where you just got to be taking a look at Kansas. I know that they wound up losing that game to Duke, but they're not going to commit 28 turnovers once again. And they were playing without one of their big pieces. Graduate transfer Isaiah Moss, he was able to average right around 9 to 10 points per game for Iowa last year, over 40% three-point shooter. And Kansas actually shot well from three in that game, but they only took nine threes. They were four of nine from distance, so they clearly have guys like Ubaji and company that are able to hit some of those threes. And you bring back Yudoka Azubuki, Felt like he was a little bit underutilized, should have gotten a couple more paint touches. And by and large, I think that this is a Kansas team that is very, very skilled in the backcourt. I think that they are locked and loaded. Once they get back Isaiah Moss, they're going to be faring much better. And you've got a lot of teams out there in the Big 12 in transition, like Kansas State, like Texas Tech, that lost a lot of pieces as well. Tremendous stuff as usual, Greg. It's amazing the knowledge you have of all these teams and the insight. I mean, the listeners are going to love this episode. Um, Real quickly, though, one conference I always pay attention to, I love listening to Bill Walton, especially in the winter at night on ESPN. The Pac-12 Conference of Champions, what do you got out there? Well, I'm the luckiest guy alive to be able to break down this conference. I've got Oregon. They looked very impressive in their season opener against Fresno State. You've got a guy in Peyton Pritchard who wound up starting in a Final Four game as a freshman. He is now a senior. You get Anthony Mathiasen from New Mexico. He's an over 40% three-point shooter. Shikar Jusen was the number one Juco transfer in the country a few years ago when he attended UNLV. He is now a graduate transfer from Oregon. You bring back guys like Will Richardson. And in my opinion, with Oregon, you have the number one coach in the country in Dana Altman. I always used to say that John Beeline was the best coach in all of college basketball. He has since moved on. Dana Oldman is a guy that does more with less. And with Oregon, dating back to last year, including their win against Fresno State a few days ago, they have now covered each of their last 12 games. Dana Oldman also in ranked games the last three years, I believe it is. It might be four, but against ranked teams, Oregon covering at a 90% clip over the course of 20 games. It's absolutely insane what he does in step-up games. Dana Oldman is going to get Oregon not just to the Pac-12 crown, but I think they're a Final Four sleeper. Wow. Quack attack. You heard it here first, guys, from Greg Peterson. You can follow him on Twitter, at GUnit underscore 81. Enough talk about all the Blue Bloods. Can you give us three sleeper teams that may make some noise in March? How about the Crimson of Harvard? They were able to do a very good job in the Ivy League last year, and that was without Seth Towns. Seth Towns missed the team season opener against MIT, but... Many people may remember during the 2017-2018 season, he was the Ivy League Player of the Year. This guy is absolutely special. And you bring back just about everyone from last year. It is absolutely insane. And Bryce Aiken, he missed pretty much the team's games until mid-January last year. When he came back, he was averaging 21 points per game. That's why Harvard was so good in Ivy League play. Yale takes a step down with so many players graduating, including my Onay. So this is a Ivy League in which is down, but Harvard is way up. I see them towards the end of the year, perhaps finishing in the top 25. How about a team that we looked at yesterday with Wisconsin versus St. Mary's? We're going to go with the Gales. I think that this is a team that is going to be able to make a lot of noise in March. Jordan Hunter averaged over 21 points per game. You've got guys up and down that list that shoot over 40% from three. Malik Fitz, six-foot-eight combo player at table, pulling right around eight rebounds per game. He shoots the three very well, and that that style that Randy Bennett has. St. Mary's last year was in the bottom 10 in the country in regards to possessions per game, and yet they were able to do such a good job with their offensive efficiency. I think that St. Mary's really hit their peak towards the end of last year, and they're carrying into this year. So St. Mary's going to be number two on that list. And then a team that did not necessarily have the best of second half against Oklahoma on Tuesday, but I expect big things from 
How about UT San Antonio, the Roadrunners? They covered 90% of their home games last year. They also have Jeevan Jackson and Keaton Wallace, two guys that had over 20 points per game last year. This is a team that does a solid job of being able to get steals. They do a tremendous job of being able to get some fast break opportunities as well. UT San Antonio, Western Kentucky, a team that I can't forget about because Charles Basie, a double-double machine, he would have been a first-round pick if he would have went into the NBA last year. I think that these two teams are ones that you really have to watch out for in Conference USA. Tremendous stuff from Greg Hoops Peterson, the walking encyclopedia. Let's move on here. Uh, Do you have a pick for player of the year? I would have to go with Marcus Howard because I do think that he's going to just absolutely carry Marquette this year. In his season opener against Loyola, Maryland, he had 38 points. Put this into perspective. Loyola, Maryland, in the entire second half, had 38 points, and I believe that they had 53 points for the game. Marcus Howard just can go off for 50 on any given night. He does it all, does a great job of being able to give out some assists. He's not a selfish player either. He's going to get some steals. He's going to grab some rebounds. I think that he's going to have Marquette overachieving because so many people are down on this team after the Hauser brothers left. But Marcus Howard, in my opinion, just the most skilled player in the country. All right, Marcus Howard from Marquette for Player of the Year. Who's one player nobody's talking about right now but will be talking about come the end of the year? How about from CSUN, Cal State Northridge, Lamine Janae. He had 24 points and 11 rebounds per game for the Matadors, who covered 70% of their games last year. They may not have been a Final Four team, and in fact, they lost more than 20 games straight up, but they were a Final Four team for your bankroll because they just seemed to, time and time again, always cover the spread, and Janae was a big part of it. He's six foot seven, 215 pounds, very wiry guy, just does a little bit of everything for this team. Couple that with guys like Terrell Gomez, are able to hit some threes, and the coach of that team, Mark Gottfried, who we all remember from his days at North Carolina State. I think that this is a guy that towards the end of the year, we're all going to be talking about being like, how did all of these power conference teams miss out on this guy? I think that he's going to have another year where he's averaging like 24 points and 10 plus rebounds. All right, Greg, and to finish it all up here, who is going to be cutting down the nets in April? Any ideas? I still have to go with Michigan State. The big question is, the help of Joshua Langford. So if anyone is looking to fire in on a future ticket on Michigan State, I would say you'd be best doing so just before the NCAA tournament because as I talked about earlier on this podcast, Tom Izzo, he's not necessarily one that's concerned about games in November and December. He's all about getting his team to peak in March. You've got Cassius Winston, who is just such a good player. When all these guys get a little bit more experience, like a Kyle Aaron, some of these supporting players get to know their role. I think that Michigan State is going to be playing the best basketball of anyone out there in the nation. And then when you got Coach Tom Izzo, he's just a guy that you can't bet against. Tremendous stuff for our listeners, Greg. You really brought it today on the podcast, and we we love having you on. And I feel like I even learned a ton of stuff that I didn't know going into this. Uh, real quick, though, Greg, before we wrap up with you, you ever just think sometimes to yourself, are you, are you amazed to see your name in the New York Post given college basketball picks? Did you ever think you'd see that? Absolutely not. I'm a kid that I went to a D3 university in the middle of Wisconsin. My whole dream was just being able to be in the industry, talk about sports, and just, you know what, maybe make enough to get by, make, maybe make enough to have a decent apartment. And the fact that I'm not only working in the sports industry right now, but I'm having success. It literally is a dream come true. I'm very lucky for all the opportunities that I've been given. You always have to have that mindset that you have to be fortunate about the opportunities that you're given, but at the same time, you have to recognize that you have to crush every last one of them. You always have to come out there every single day like it is the Super Bowl, like it is the national championship, because the most important thing that you're doing is the task that you are working on right now. Always take that mentality with you, whether it's just doing your nine to five office job, whether it's doing sports betting, whether it's being on the air, like on TV, radio, what have you, or if it's just in your personal life in general, always just maximize the opportunity in front of you. Very cool stuff, guys, from Greg Peterson. Such a pleasure having you here, Greg. Anything you want to plug here before we let you go? Well, if you go to beeson.com, you've got the betting guide that is currently out. I break down all 353 D1 teams. It is $9.99. Myself, Matt Newman, so many others did such a tremendous job with this guide. So it is one of those pride and joy things. And as always, you can always check me out at GNRD41 for all my podcasts, all the picks that I put out. That's essentially the hub for everything. And 
I always appreciate everyone that follows me, anyone that gives me questions, whether I'm repeating myself or not. I'm always appreciative that there is fan interaction. So I love all of it. And I always just give a big thank you to everyone that is willing to let me give them a little bit of college basketball advice. All right, guys, that was the professor of college basketball, the one and only Greg Hoops Peterson. You guys can follow Greg on Twitter at GUnit underscore 81. Greg, thanks for calling in. It was such a pleasure having you on the pod. We hope to have you back again soon. Gentlemen, always a pleasure. Always feels free to reach out. Always a pleasure. All right, guys, it's time for our weekly picks segment. But first, back by popular demand, the wildly popular segment for our third installment, it is Frisky Fridays with Brock Landers. Thanks, Chris. We've been getting a lot of attention for this one, and uh, this is quickly becoming my favorite segment of the week. And, uh, you know, we're here now in November, and uh, Friday, a lot of really cold temperature coming our way. I mean, it's going down to 28 at night, so... Chilly. Here's what I suggest. So Friday, get out of work. Get whatever you got to get covered, right? Go out, do your errands, because this game that I'm going to give out for Friday, it's not going on until at least 1030, and you're going to have to try to find it, which is very difficult. I know it is for me. Fox Sports 1, if you could figure out where that channel is, you're going to tune there around 1030. Uh, but you're going to want to get the bet in before that. So hopefully you listen to this Wager Pager podcast Friday morning on your way to work, uh, and you'll get the pick in right away, and hopefully the line don't move too much. But Friday night, late night, treat yourself to a nice meal. Late, though. I want, like, reservations 9 o'clock for this. Late night. Yeah, late night. Encourage your significant other, get some dessert, get something, maybe like an apple cider, uh, martini maybe, to finish it off. Drink. Yeah, definitely an apple, maybe a couple shots of Sambuca, Chris. Maybe if that's what, what gets you in the mood. A little coffee bean in there. On a Friday? Oh, of course, you got to have the coffee bean. You're going to go, though, put this, put this wager in ahead of time, get it out there as quickly as you can. Friday night. You're going to get some some jokes for this one, Chris, but Oregon State Beavers on a Friday night. Who doesn't like that? Who doesn't like a Friday night beaver? You're going to get probably double digits on this home dog, all right? It's going to be a cold night there. I'm seeing around 48 degrees. It's going to be cold here in New Jersey. You're going to be under the sheets, all right? And you're going to be watching this 1030 game, and you're going to be cheering for the Oregon State Beavers. They don't even have to win the game, Chris. Show up, and hey, sometimes that's how it goes. Sometimes you just got to show up, and hey, if the result is not what uh, you know you were hoping for, you showed up, you gave it your all, and that's all you could ask for. Am I right? <laughs> all right, guys, I'm currently seeing 9.5-10 out here in New Jersey. You heard it here first. We're going with the Friday Night Beavers, plus 9.5. Brock Landers, Frisky Fridays. All right, let's keep the pick segment moving here. Um, to be honest, nothing's jumping out at me this week. I think you mentioned earlier uh, in the in the pre-show uh, meeting that the lines are getting tighter, and I completely agree, Brock. But I'm looking at here a 12 p.m. Saturday kickoff. This is similar to my two-piece last week. My two-piece, we I only got you to the window in the first half over. It, Houston didn't cover the game. But I'm looking at the Baylor Bears, 8-0, okay? I think they're coming into this game with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, okay? Because they're 8-0, and they're ranked like 12th in the college football playoffs. Gimme Baylor in the first half, minus .5. And I'll take them for the game as well, minus 2.5. TCU has won four straight in this series, and Baylor is flying under the radar this year. Gimme the Bears, minus half in the first half. And if you're feeling... Frisky, like a Friday. Take him for the game as well, minus two and a half. Very nice, Chris. I'm going to go to a uh, a real big game on the board here. We're gonna. I, I try to avoid these huge games, but I just think this makes sense. You're going to go Saturday, 3.30, game 167-168. 
LSU Tigers, Alabama Crimson Tide. This game is being played in Tuscaloosa. People are going to think that there's going to be points to be put up here. They're going to think that people are going to be scoring left and right. I don't see it. I don't think so. The total is already dropping slightly. Uh, I saw it at 64. I see it down to 63 in some spots as we record this show on Wednesday night. I think this is a, a pure pure underplay. I wouldn't be shocked if these teams barely score 40 points combined. Uh, I think you're going to get some really good value on the under, uh, unless this thing creeps all the way down to 59 or something like that. But I think as long as it stays in the 60s and you can get it somewhere around there, I think you should be all right with the under in the uh, Alabama-LSU game Saturday. Very, very interesting stuff. Might have to tell you there. I was actually looking to play that game too. I mean, I, I'm all over the underdog. I'm all over LSU, especially if you can find it at seven. Not many sevens out there in the market. This is a time where I would probably recommend even paying the extra juice buying up to that key number of seven. But Tua Tagaviola is a game time decision this week. And I don't know if I trust the backup. Gimme Joe Burrow and the LSU Tigers. Go Tigers! Plus seven, buy it up if you have to, and tail Brock Landers on the under. What's your next pick, brother? Yeah, so Chris, I've got another one uh, just here right now as far as we we do this show here again on Wednesday nights, and uh, the only other game I got so far is another under. Uh, I know people aren't going to love that, but uh, I got Louisville Cardinals going down to play the Miami Hurricanes, Uh, another under that I took. Right now, I'm seeing pretty much around 49. I took it at 51. Uh, I think this thing's just going to keep going down and down. Uh, I think it's just one of those cases where you've got a, a Miami team that, you know, not really sure what they're playing for at 5-4. and four. Louisville, 5-3. and three. Uh, You might get a, a slow first half. I think that'll really benefit the under. You might see some points scored maybe in the second half, but first half, these guys might be filling each other out for a little bit. And uh, you might get some nice value there on the under in Miami. I see a trend forming here. I'm going to be piggybacking Brock's unders and parlaying them into an underdog play. I do really like the Louisville Cardinals here. Again, they're catching six and a half here in New Jersey. Buy it up to that key number. I don't normally recommend buying points, but in these two situations this week, I'm going to do it. Plus seven, Louisville Cardinals, key number, catching a touchdown. Miami Hurricanes have been frauds for years now. I never believe in that squad. Give me the Cardinals plus seven. My next pick I'm looking here at the board is strictly a numbers play because I hate betting against Coach Mike Leach. But I'm going spanky style here, playing the numbers, playing the market. Give me the California Golden Bears plus seven and a half, home dog at night, catching the hook. Come on, man. Give me the Golden Bears, plus 7.5, versus Washington State, Saturday night. Very nice, Chris. Anything else for you from college? That just about does it for me on on the college end so far. Now let's move on to the National Football League. All right, same thing, guys. As far as plays are concerned this week, it's Wednesday. Haven't made a ton of moves yet. The lines are getting tighter here in the NFL. Uh, Already a very hard sport to beat. But I did find one game that I've already bet this one, and uh, I think come Sunday you'll see it get maybe down to 9 or something like that. It's my specialty. I love taking the underdog, especially the home dog, especially the home dog playing a division rival. Yes, I'm doing it, folks. I'm going to Cincinnati. I'm going to back Zach Taylor (laughs) again. Uh, It seems like I can't win with this team, but this is the spot of all spots for this team right now. Let's take a look real quick. Quick handicap here for Cincinnati from what we've seen the last couple of weeks. Last couple of weeks, what do we see? They lose at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars, a game they should have won. Dalton, late in the game, pick six, puts the game over the spread for the Jags. Then they go to London the following week. They were 13.5, 12-point dogs in London. They lose the game by 14 in the end. They've had a week off from London since that London game. There was their bye week last week. They've already made the announcement. No more Andy Dalton. They're sending him to the bench. They've got the new kid in there, Finley. They're going to give Finley a chance at quarterback. This may be the move that sparks the team. Andy Dalton was that guy who showed up every day, showed up every week. You knew what you were going to get out of him. 
I think you might see a similar situation to kind of how the Giants responded this year to Daniel Jones. They made the switch from Eli. The team was ignited that first game in Tampa. Coming off the bye, you got a rookie head coach who's still desperately trying to win his first game. They're in Cincinnati at home. And let's take a look at the flip side, Baltimore. What did the public just see Baltimore do? They beat the mighty New England Patriots on primetime Sunday night football. This is the spot of all spots right here for the Bengals. This line should probably be somewhere around 7.5, maybe 8, maybe 9. You're getting double digits right now, 10 points. Seems like the perfect storm to take the underdog, Cincinnati Bengals. And who's on deck for Baltimore next week? Not another rival, but a team who's going to be looking to be making the playoffs this year and fighting for a spot the Houston Texans. Ooh, look-ahead spot. You guys heard it here first from Brock Landers. You can follow him on Twitter, at BrockLanders41. Not much on my card either for NFL. I've been getting kicked in the mouth for weeks now, so I'm going to take it easy and only going to give out one pick this week. I don't want the listeners to tail me and lose. Here we go. I got the Arizona Cardinals on the road versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm uh, not betting on Jameis Winston. The Arizona Cardinals have been playing tough all year. I love what I see from Kyler Murray. He's a sneaky rookie of the year candidate at this point. Plus four and a half, a field goal, and a point and a half on the road. Yes, you're going to have to look out for that Tampa Bay flu, the uh, strip club capital of the world. So you always have to worry about the visiting team kind of... Uh, wearing out their welcome and getting tired the night before. But give me the Arizona Cardinals plus four and a half to end our NFL segment. I like that pick a lot, Chris. I have not made a play yet, but I do think that they are live dogs, and they've certainly handled their trips to the East Coast, and they certainly show up for every game. And like you said, I've gambled on Jameis Winston the last two weeks. It's been a nightmare. It's a roller coaster that, you know, feel free to ride it if you want, but it takes a lot of balls to do it. Well, guys, that'll just about wrap up this episode of the Wager Pager podcast. You got every major sport on this week. Go out to the sportsbook here in Jersey. Shop those lines. Get the best prices. Sit back and cash some tickets. Get pumped. Get psyched. It's the Wager Pager podcast. That's it for Season 2, Episode 12. Special thanks to our guest, Greg Peterson. Thanks to my co-host, Brock Landers. And, of course, thanks to the guys here at Van Boers Films. And, as always, good luck, happy handicapping, and may the gambling gods look gracefully down upon you. Thanks for listening, guys. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Don't forget to leave us a review. And please tell all your friends about the Wager Pager podcast. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Wager Pager. Also, if you or a loved one has a gambling addiction, don't be scared to seek help. You can contact the National Council on Problem Gambling at 1-800-522-4700. They're open 24 hours a day, and all calls and text messages are confidential. Here we go. The Wager Pager Podcast is co-hosted by Chris Rogers and Brock Landers, executive produced by Van Voorst Films, edited by Van Voorst Films, co-produced by Chris Rogers and Brock Landers, created by Chris Rogers and Mercedes Barba. Music by The Moreau's Project, produced and written at San Francisco Music Studios. Logo designed by John Carbonella. All picks are for entertainment purposes only. These plays are not financial advice.